Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. My name is Kevin Acey. I'm the Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune, joined by Jay Posner, my boss, the sports editor of the Union Tribune. Jay, it's been a while since we've done a Hot Lava Podcast. Uh, they went longer in the year because the Padres went longer in the year, but then nothing happened. I mean, we knew something would happen eventually, but and we probably should have known that it was going to be like this. Blake Snell, you uh, Darvish, uh, Ha Sung Kim. I, gosh darn it. I hope that I learned how to pronounce that better. All due respect. But uh, the Padres made three moves in a span of, uh, let's call it 24 hours, less than 24 hours. And they were significant moves. To me, it might surprise you. I'm, yes, the Aces, that's what has uh, the, the baseball world buzzing. That makes the Padres probably a heck of a lot better. But I think the Kim move, uh, if, if this guy can play, make good transition, is. I think it's really significant. Kevin, how was your Christmas? <laughs> Jay, was Christmas, did, did that happen? Is it almost New Year's? Come on, that just happened? Your first Christmas as a grandpa? That had to be great, right? It was. Now, look, she has no clue. She eats wrapping paper like she eats everything else. Uh, okay. But uh, she is fantastic. And uh, up until Sunday, about all I was doing all off season was playing with little Evelyn. All right. Well, that's good. And then I know that at about 8.19 on Sunday night is when this started, because I remember getting a text saying, I'll have something on Snell in a minute. And it was like, wait, something on who? What? So um, an hour before deadline is always a nice time to have to blow up the paper. But you did did it. We did it. And uh, and then we were more prepared yesterday uh, for uh, for what happened. And and glad it came down when it did. And and I agree that you can't get past the idea that they got two aces in a span of, you know, 20, 22, 24 hours, whatever that it was. And and those guys, to me, they're the most important guys, because if you're going to win short series, mm-hmm. you're usually going to do it with pitching. We saw what happened in October when the Padres didn't have any pitching against the Dodgers and the series didn't last very long. Um, you know, you go into a series now in October with Blake Snell, Hugh Darvish, Denelson Lamette starting games one, two, and three in whatever order you want to start them in. That's a pretty strong, pretty strong group there. I, I would be willing to bet the Padres would not get swept in a series with those three guys, all, if all healthy, pitching the first three games. You know, who knows? And then beyond that, and we can get into this a little later, what the rotation looks like, whether it's Chris Paddock and Mackenzie Gore or any number of other People, I mean, shoot, they might be trading for Garrett Cole and, and you know, whoever else uh, by the time we even finish this podcast. Who knows? But uh, it, it's, I, I will say that if you're a Padre fan, you have to be extremely excited. I, I mean, things could be so much worse. Look, look, at, look at this. You could be a Cubs fan and you could be trading you Darvish, who very well might have been the best pitcher in baseball last year. I know he didn't win the Cy Young. He probably should have. And you have a team that has Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez and Chris Bryant on it, and your team's tanking. And you're in Chicago, you know, the the second city, all that stuff, and your team's tanking. So I think Padre fans, especially the long-suffering, and there there really are no – there really are only two kinds of Padre fans, it feels like, long-suffering and bandwagon. You said it. I, well, I mean, look, the, if you've been a fan of this team for more than a couple of years, you're a long-suffering fan. And, a much-suffering fan. Much-suffering. And there's nothing wrong with jumping on a on a bandwagon of a team. Uh, and I think a lot of people are going to do that because this is a 
This is a fun team now. This is an exciting team. This is a team trying to win, a team that for so long didn't try to win. Under current ownership, past ownership, whatever, this team did not try to win for a long time. It's now trying to win at a time when a lot of teams are not trying to win. And, and that's a good thing for Padre fans. It's a good thing for the city. It's a good thing for us as, as journalists. And, and I think there's, you know, should be nothing but excitement over this. I mean, we could throw cold water on a couple of these things, but at, at this point, does anybody want to hear, does anybody want to hear about 2015 or, or Corey Kluber or anything like that? So there's no reason to, uh, to get into that. I, I think we should, you know, get into how excited people should be about the pitching. And as you said about Kim, so go ahead and expand on why you're excited about, about him, even though on the surface, it doesn't look like there's a, an immediate place for him to play. First, I want to note for anybody watching and later just listening to this, how significant it is when Jay Posner decides that we are going to skip over the pessimistic slash negative and only focus on the positive and what he means by that and how significant uh, it is. So that that is, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It was good that you mentioned those things in the past. I thought of it yesterday because I remember back in the 2014-15 offseason when all you had to do was say A.J. Preller and you, you, people just started going nuts and it was the same thing yesterday. Oh, he's a wizard and he's the best. And I mean, I don't think Rockstar even comes to describing how uh, people feel about him now. Um, so that that's all valid, but you're right. I mean, come on. The Padres uh, are, are all in, and there can be no doubt about it. And how often can you say that? So about Kim, I think it's so significant because this is a part of the Padres attempting to build a team that compete with the Dodgers by basically emulating someone that they're chasing. Mm -hmm. The Dodgers, there's a reason that, that you don't want to be leading the Dodgers two to one in the seventh inning. Now it's better than trailing two to one. <laughs> probably going to beat you when you're, if you're winning by one run in the last couple innings, because they're bringing people off the bench that are all just as good or almost as good as the people that were playing. They have guys that start and do it well at various positions. And so while I was told by a couple people insistently that this does not mean Jake Cronenworth, second baseman Jake Cronenworth is an outfielder. I would be surprised if they don't give him a little try out there. They don't give Kim a little try, at least get these guys prepared to play in the outfield. Cronenworth can play all four infield positions. You've got Kim who's played shortstop in third. He'll play second. I just think that, uh, that that was just a fantastic move to be the kind of team that they said that they were going to be. Yeah, I mean, maybe this guy could be Chris Taylor. I mean, to think to compare him to someone on the Dodgers where Taylor seems to play all over the place, including in the outfield. What's wrong and, with that? And, and right. And you need they, they need guys like this. And especially we don't know what's going to happen with with jerks and profile. But that's a guy that, you know, if he's not going to be back with this team, he, he needs to be replaced. And, and maybe this is a guy that can do that and that can, can fill in in the infield, can fill in in the outfield. Maybe he's the starter at second base and Cronenworth is the guy that's jumping around and he's playing first base and left field. And Maybe it right swaps field. throughout the season based on right. who, whoever's playing. And who's healthy. Um, yeah. You know, you need to have depth. I mean, yeah. you've got injury issues in a 60-game season that we saw last year uh, with Tommy Pham, for instance. Uh, you're certainly going to have injury issues over 162 games or however many games get played this year. So I, I think building depth is so important. And, and this is a case where 
if this guy's as good as it looks like he is, at least based on his numbers and what people, you know, who sort of follow this thing have said, this is a big addition uh, for for this team uh, at this time. And look, look, as good as Jake Cronenworth was last year, it was 60 games. And, you know, we still haven't seen him for a full season. And and maybe his ceiling is as a guy who needs to bounce around and not play every day. It looked for a little while last year toward the end mm-hmm. of the season like maybe he shouldn't be playing every day. Then he sort of you know, snapped out of it. So I, I think if you can if you can build a, a bench where you're not afraid to play anybody at any time, that's that's another step that this team needs to take. Go back to the pitching. We'll start with the first trade. Blake Snell was made on Sunday night, made official today. He goes for Luis Patino, Cole Wilcox, and Francisco Mejia and Blake Hunt. I can't believe I got all those guys uh, correct. You know, look, there's obviously a risk in that. Patino could turn out to be the next great right-handed pitcher. Um, Cole Wilcox, a lot of positive vibes came out when the Padres made the move to sign him. He could be great. What we do know now is Blake Snell is great right now. And if you're trying to win right now, Blake Snell is the guy that that you want to have uh, on the team. You you just got off a Zoom call with him an hour, hour and a half ago. Fill us in on, for those of us not on the call, which is basically everybody uh, watching right now, what did you hear from Blake Snell and 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 how is he with the uh, uh, with the move and what does he have to say about coming to San Diego? First off, he was what I'd heard, which is a very genuine guy. Also, uh, he talked a lot about how swaggy uh, this team is, how how much drip they have. Uh, <laughs> silly, you know, recently turned 50 years old. I just said drip. Uh, that means, uh, you know, confidence and uh, the kind of uh, bluster that you can back up. And he Thank you for explaining in. that to me. He will fit in fantastically uh, that way. And that's what I'd heard, and that's what he showed. 2018 Cy Young winner. That was uh, probably, well, that was by far his best year, too, in terms of innings pitched, uh, ERA, whip. But the guy has been good for the past four years. And, you know, he, look, both he and you, Darvish, were the aces of their team. And they come in here and join Nelson Lamette, as you mentioned, as, oh, well, okay, who's going to, which one's going to be your one, two, three? Does it matter? My favorite cliche in baseball, maybe it's because I cover the Padres. Is, you know, that pitcher gives you a chance to win. Well, and the reason I love it is, and all cliches are cliches because they're true, but that one is, here's a guy who isn't going to go out and have but one or two bombs a year. He's Mm going to go six, seven every night and not uh, not allow too many runs for your team to win. The Padres have a good offense. Go out, allow two, three runs, and there's a good chance the Padres are winning when those three guys start. And so nope, they nope. three guys, that's if Chris Paddock doesn't bounce back. That's yeah. if McKinney Gore, Adrian Morahone don't make this huge jump, but they have three guys that have essentially proven, obviously Lamette has a little bit more to show over a longer period of time, but three guys who are going to go out every time and give you a chance to win. That's kind of incredible. No, it is. And I, I think the only question about Snell and, and I'm assuming he was asked about this is that he has not been a guy that's gone six or seven uh, in the last couple of years. Now, I'm sure a lot of that was sort of protecting him uh, after he had some elbow issues. And a lot of it is just the way that Kevin Cash and the Rays organization treat pitchers. Um, What did he have to say about 
you know, pitching it past the sixth, even getting through sixth inning, pitching into the seventh and and maybe the eighth inning. Right. And so to to your point, Jay, to show people how true it is, I think five and two thirds was his longest it, uh, outing last season. Now, there were a lot of guys who didn't go very long in that 60 game season. It was a little weird. Um, and he, he did do it more often in 2019. But even then, uh, not so much. And as you mentioned, the race philosophy, what he said is it was, you know, predictably that he's looking forward to being able to go. But you know what he also used? Oh, phrases like, and prove to myself, to show that I can do it. So, mm-hmm. you know, here's a guy, like I said, he seems to be very genuine and very honest. Mm-hmm. He knows that that's something that would be uh, talked about with him. He obviously believes that he can do it. That's a trait that all the, you know, the greats have. And uh, it's not like he hasn't done it, but to be to be on a team that has a more traditional approach to how they use their starters, who expects quality starts and more from their best pitchers every time, it seems to me that he's very excited about it and that, you know, it would be fair to say that a lot of his, uh, you know, shortcomings or the were the limitations that were placed on him by the way the Rays handled their pitching staff. Right. You, Darvish, have, we have not heard from him. At this point, I don't think that that trade is yet to be announced as we're right. as we're uh, recording this. But what do you think we can expect from him? He's a guy who went to Chicago and uh, and struggled and and was you know was like oh my gosh this guy's we paid this guy how much money you know this guy's a bust. But in the last I forget the number you'll I know you'll have it off the top of your head. He's been one of the best pitchers around, and as I said, he might have been the best pitcher in baseball last year with an ERA of, of I think, 201. What do you think we see from you, Darvish? Because to me, he seems like if, if all these guys are on their game, he's probably the best of all, best of, of, all of them. So speaking about cliches, when, when, when you, Darvish, throw strikes, and that's what you heard from people in the organization yesterday or that I did via text messages and phone calls is you, Darvish, and wow. Uh, and, and what we gave up was three teenagers and a 20-year-old uh, plus Zach Davies. And no one's happy about seeing Zach Davies go, but that, you got to give up stuff to get you Darvish. But uh, if you got the good you Darvish, the you Darvish who over the last 26 starts, that dates back to the middle of the 2019 season, has the fourth best ERA in the majors. And the guys ahead of him are Garrett Cole, Jacob DeGron, and Jack Flaherty. Um, so you got a pretty darn good pitcher uh, and the, the guy that the Cubs were paying for, and the guy that the Padres are going to play pay close to twenty two million dollars this year. Yeah, and I, I think, like you mentioned, I mean, they gave up four really young players for him, as well as Zach Davies, who I think only has one year left before he's a free agent anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So that seemed to me to be more of a of a if you're going to say a steal trade. Now, of course, it's a steal because they're willing, they're picking up about sixty million dollars. Uh, in in salary, I, I thought the the idea in the other trade, the Tampa Bay trade, seemed like it worked well for both sides, and I, I do think the Padres might have given up something in that. But but look, you you know you're not just going to steal every trade, you're not going to win every trade, and there's no way to know what those guys are going to do when they get to Tampa or wherever they end up. I mean, Mejia one day may end up going back to hitting like he did in that one two month stretch with the Padres, but he you know he didn't show it enough uh enough other times if cole wilcox goes on or patino goes on to be a really good pitcher that's okay as long as blake snell is a really good pitcher as well i mean you can't expect to as i said to fleece a team on trades all the time and uh so i I was going to say the fact that they didn't give up 
the quote top top prospects, with the exception of Patino, you know, guys the top 100 type prospects across Major League Baseball seem to be a plus for you know what Preller did in this instance. Although, as you wrote in the piece that just went up a little while ago, rankings change all the time, and you never know how things are going to work out. But on on paper, at least, it looked like those you know it's pretty good to get those two pitchers and give up one top hundred prospect. I've been fascinated by this topic that you of that story that you mentioned that, that went up, and it's probably like the third or fourth time that I've written a different variation of how, <laughs> because it has to keep being updated. Heck, back in August, they gave up five of their top 11 prospects, uh, and many of them were just for Mike Clevenger, but in the trades that uh, five trades that AJ Preller made in three days before the trade deadline. Uh, in his last two days, they gave up seven of their top 16 prospects. So the rankings are constantly changing. Um, and you have to update it. But the idea that A.J. Preller has basically flipped all this homegrown uh, talent into the Padres are now one of the absolutely most important teams uh, in baseball in terms of, you know, 22 guys that are required via trade, another, I think, six free agents. Um, they are one of the least homegrown teams at the major league level. Um, I, I just find that to, to, to be fascinating. And kudos to A.J. Preller for trading with Tampa Bay uh, because, you know what, they do get the most out of their players, it seems, more mm-hmm. often than not, and they sometimes win trades on that basis or, you know, have the interpretation that they won trades, but Preller keeps going after them. Also, kudos to A.J. Preller. Just as he did in the uh, – took advantage of the slow market and the, the pandemic ravaged – I know – Jay, you don't really believe in that so much. The billionaires taking their hit. But these guys are sure being cautious. And there weren't a lot of people out there being active at the trade deadline except A.J. Preller. Oh, wait, that's exactly what has happened this offseason. Uh, he, he didn't, you know, the faucet was dripping. He didn't just turn it on. He broke the pipe in the in those uh, 24 hours there. And so he's he's jumping. The guy is completely unafraid to do what he and his staff, and he always gives credit to those guys, and it does take a lot of scouting and a lot of brass ones to uh, to be able to do what A.J. Preller and his staff do. Well, and, he, and what this shows is there is money out there. So all the talk about people, all the poor, and I mean, that's why I'd be so upset if I was a Cubs fan. Their owners are loaded. You know, maybe they didn't make as much money off the Cubs last year as they had expected to. But it sure didn't keep them from investing in the Wrigleyville area and all that sort of thing. There's money. These owners have money. And credit to Peter Seidler uh, and, and, his, and his partners in the idea of, yeah, we're willing to spend some money. And, uh, and, and so, you know, Preller wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the idea that he's, he's gotten approval from above to spend the money and, and pick up the extra, I don't know, what, $30 million or so? in these couple of trades that they just made. You know, the, the the other thing I wanted to get to was the back end of the rotation and also what we still should look for, what still needs to be done. Where are they in terms of the back end of the rotation with Paddock is obviously a key. If all goes well, you would want him to be your number four starter. He would show what he did as, uh, as a rookie. And at times last year, I mean, look, he wasn't terrible in every start last year. He had his bad starts. And obviously in the playoffs, he wasn't very good. But I, I think with Paddock, and then and you've got a group, the and then you've got a group of young guys with uh, yes. with with Gore, with Weathers, with Morahone, Baez, if they if could look at, um, who knows who else? That there's a couple of other people. You need to have that depth. Again, you're not going to get through the season with five starters. I just rattled off seven or eight. I would think we'd probably see all those guys next year, and there may even be other 
others that I haven't mentioned or or that get brought in. So address that for a second, and then we'll get to the bullpen. I think if they're a contender, for the most part, you named uh, the guys because it means there wasn't a whole lot of injuries. Uh, mm-hmm. and- and you got, you know, at least, uh, well, depending on how long this season is, uh, you you got at least uh, your 30-something starts out of a couple of them at least. Uh, but yeah, Morahone is a favorite of the Padres. Uh, and when I say that, I mean that they really believe this guy is is on the verge of right. being the, whatever it was, $11 million bonus baby uh, out of Cuba in that 2016 draft class. He was the prize of that class. Um, I think Baez is, is destined to, to be in the bullpen. They'll give him a chance. Obviously, he'll be one of those guys in spring training. You know, he gets starts, uh, and they're giving him a chance. Mackenzie Gore, the belief was, look, if, if they had uh, – it's almost not worth talking about. But if they had gone on to the NLCS, Mackenzie Gore would have had to pitch and we all would have seen him. Uh, they feel like he had fixed uh, his release point issues and, and things were uh, were progressing. Uh, that's at least the word now. Just like with Denelson Lamette, uh, Chris, mm-hmm. we're going to have to wait till spring and the season to know where, where these guys actually are. There are questions there. And it seems like, real, real quick, it seems like with Gore and Weathers in particular, because last year was such kind of a wasted year for both of them. I mean, they didn't really pitch in any games that counted other than Weathers' brief appearance. It seems like it would be you would want those guys to start the year in the minors uh, and and get and get some experience, get some game some game action before you send them up to the big leagues. And and even and if you were able to keep them down there for for half the season even, uh, I would think that would be uh, what they would have in mind. So I, it, from that standpoint, Morahone would be key. If you could get Paddock and Morahone to be the four or five guys, I, I'm guessing that would be sort of the ideal situation. I think you nailed exactly what the plan is. Right. It's never, or, you know, not under A.J. Preller. I was a little, I stunk, but uh, and a little harder when you're, uh, you're better, but they've never limited these guys. And so mm-hmm. it's possible, but I think you are 100% on that you would go, after the three that we've talked about, Paddock and and, and Mora Hong. As for what's left to do in the offseason, Trevor Rosenthal perhaps, Jerickson Profar perhaps, uh, or maybe uh, somebody else who plays their positions because they uh, still need to, you know, to lock down the back end of the bullpen. They have candidates with internally already to do that, but are you a contender or not? And then, you know, doing with the outfield what they've done with the infield, which is mm-hmm. they got too many good players to start every night. They, they need to do that in the outfield probably. Uh, so that, that, that would be the two spots that are, that are left to do. Um, another thing that you brought up, Jay, uh, Peter Seidler. Look, Ron Fowler was in charge uh, during the rebuild and during last season's spending, during Machado, Hosmer, all that. But, wow, in the middle of this pandemic, Ron Fowler on the labor committee – and, you know, he's been pretty vocal about the hardships for baseball and the Padres. I think when I first heard about Darvish, I still had my Ron Fowler interpretation, you know, my Ron Fowler glasses on. I was like, this can't be right. I don't know when it was I texted you and said, this Darvish thing looks real. Right. Like, it was still another day or two before I mentioned it in the paper um, because, you know, I could I was getting mixed signals and I couldn't understand it. But I, that was my bad. That, that was my bad. Peter Seidler and... He's he's like a he's like a kid, and uh, AJ Preller became very adept at speaking Ron Fowler and going back and going back and going back and getting Ron Fowler to you know, all right, here's the chess pieces, here's how we can make the money work. 
I think it might be a little easier with Peter Seidler. <laughs> I, 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 you know, and we'll see how long that lasts, but this is a, I don't want to say a new era because that's a slight to, to what they've been doing for the last couple of years, you know, probably beginning with Hosmer, Machado, and then the trade deadline last year. But it's very interesting that Peter Seidler has overseen this in his first, what, month in charge? Right, right. Who's your closer right now? Pagan? If nothing else oh, changed? Pomeranz. Yeah, it's, if nothing else changed. Kind of go back and forth between those two maybe. Yeah. And, and maybe they don't even have to... Uh, have to have one. It seems like that would be the group. I mean, I'm intrigued by Austin Adams. So, so Austin Adams and Jose Castillo are two. And Castillo, right. Off. Well, Castillo has to be healthy and then do it. And Austin Adams has to do it. So mm-hmm. I'm expected to put them in that spot, right? As I don't see him. Yeah, I don't see him as now. closers. Right. Yeah. But they are like late inning guys that can be like, whoa, that by the middle of the season, you're talking about them as future closers. Pagan and and Pomeranz and I just really like the versatility that that Pomeranz gives you in the seventh and in the eighth inning too, depending on the order where the where they are in the order. Um, I don't know. I don't think you go wrong either either way there, but I think they add one. Right. All right. Well, I'm sure it won't be boring because one thing we've we've learned is this this team is no longer boring, uh, which is which and you is can't great, roll anything out either. Which is which right? Which is great for all of us. So from the from the fan base to us to the players themselves, I'm sure are very excited about uh, this sort of thing. So, anyway, I will wish you a happy new year, Kevin, and your family, and uh, also everybody out there uh, as well. And stay safe. And uh, who knows? We may be back in a week talking about three more big moves that were made. All right, happy new year, everybody. 